0: what's up gamers and welcome to lost at sea gaming i am hulking yoda the captain of this ship the ss gamer and you have just stepped into the captain's quarters my weekly gaming update show reflecting on the biggest gaming news of the week what i've been playing and more so this past week epic games surprised us with its brand new unreal engine unreal 5 so let's dive into the details of that announcement in my news catch of the week Alright guys, so this week we are going to be discussing Unreal Engine 5 and the announcement of it, in my opinions. So, uh, first things first, Unreal Engine 5, if you're not aware, obviously there are engines that power the games that we love and play and enjoy. Unreal is honestly the probably most predominantly used gaming engine in the industry uh, today, and based on this... Uh, first look, I would say that that's probably going to be the case going forward into this next generation as well. Uh, Unreal Engine 5, uh, it was brought to us in a roughly 10-minute video uh, from Epic Games. And basically, we were given the uh, announcement in the form of a demo, a playable demo running on a PS5 that was called Lumen and the Land of Nanite. Now, unfortunately, I'll just go ahead right out front and say this was actually not a real game in development that is coming out that we can all get our hands on and play and enjoy. Uh, It it was a playable tech demo, but it is not an actual game in development coming to us soon. And that was extremely unfortunate to me because I will be honest with you, I wanted to play this game. Uh, Even though I know it's not real, I still, I want this game to be real. Uh, So basically, what was it? it it looked a lot like Tomb Raider or Uncharted in the gameplay style. Uh, There's a female protagonist that you as the player are playing as, and she's exploring this cavernous area. And she's going through and solving puzzles. And uh, at the end of it, she has this beautiful scene where she dives off the side of a cliff and is basically using some kind of magical powers that she has to fly and kind of just zip across this vast landscape. And it looks Absolutely stunning. It looks beautiful, gorgeous, absolutely amazing graphically. Uh, Now, it wasn't just about the immediate visuals that you see uh, that Unreal Engine 5 is touting in this announcement uh, tech demo. What they really wanted to showcase and what they did take some extra time to to really go into detail and, and show and explain to the viewer, which I appreciated was the new technology going on within this engine. Now, the first piece of that new technology, I'll say, is called Nanite technology. And basically what that is, it's it's a virtual geometry that is now going to allow game developers to insert cinema quality visuals and assets into the engine. So the visuals and the environments and the details within those environments are going to be able to be more richly uh, accentuated than ever before. Basically, as detailed as your eyes can physically see is going to be as detailed as you can see with Nanite technology. Now, the other piece of the engine was Lumens, which is a a dynamic global illumination tool. So what does that really mean outside of the fancy words? It's all about the lighting and how it affects the environment. So they were showing different scenes where uh, Lumen is the name of the protagonist. She was walking through this cavern, and you have sunlight coming in through a certain area. And they were explaining how it it bounces off of the different uh, walls and and floor space of the cavern and how it affects that and how it affects Lumen. And uh, then there is a very impressive room that she goes into next. And this little blue floating orb that acts as kind of like her light or torch, if you will, uh, it, it illuminates everything in this darkened room where there's, it's just full of statues. And as they were progressing through the demo, it showed how the lighting affects the uh, statues as well as uh, the fact that there are over 500 statues within that space. And that is part of the Nanite technology aspect of it where you can just duplicate and have hundreds of the same item or you, know, you can replicate quite a bit. Uh, And then it really was impressive to me when they got to another cavern and there was a bunch of uh, bugs or beetles, whatever they were, that were scattering uh, and going pretty much hand in hand where the light went they were trying to get away from. And it was just very fluid and looked very real and uh, was very impressive, ultimately. So ultimately, uh, I thought it was a very impressive tech demo. Uh, it, It was a playable tech demo, yes, but it was still a tech demo. Yes, it was running on a PS5, <clears throat> but just to clarify some things, this is not a uh, technology that is exclusive to PlayStation 5. I know a lot of people were kind of running with this, and after the kind of uh, trip step that Microsoft took with their unveiling of uh, quote-unquote next-gen you know, gameplay uh, video the week before... Everybody was kind of jumping on this as an as a opportunity to pounce on Microsoft, in my opinion, um, and, and tout PS5 over Xbox when, just to clarify, guys, this is the same technology that's going to be used on the Series X. So yes, the demo was being run and showcased on a PlayStation 5, but it's not exclusive to PlayStation 5. So the exact same thing that you see is going to be running on a Series X. So just wanted to clarify uh, and put that out there for anybody who was maybe confused or thinking that this was a a PS5-specific tech demo. No, it just so happened that for this announcement, Unreal chose to show it running on a PS5. So at the end of the day, uh, it's got me very excited about the next generation even more so. Again, there's just constantly little drip feeds of information and new updates every week, it feels like as far as the next generation is concerned, that just continue to add to my hype meter. And I cannot wait to see how developers utilize Unreal Engine 5 in the coming years. Now, they did say that it was coming in 2021. So as I would kind of expect at least, and I would assume most listeners, you guys would probably expect the same. Obviously, this is a brand new tech being realized and it's going to be until next year before developers have an opportunity to start utilizing it in games. Which means we probably won't really fully start seeing its capabilities until maybe 2022 and beyond. Because it's going to take some time for developers probably to really master it. Which I'm okay with because that just means that I have a whole generation to hopefully year after year see improvements on this technology. And to enjoy it and to allow it to immerse me into my gaming escapism and the worlds that I love to explore. So that was my catch of the week from the news. Let's go see what I've been playing this past week in my captain's log. All right, gamers. So this past week, I'll start out with my racing itch that I scratched. Uh, If you've been listening recently, you'll know that I've picked back up Need for Speed Heat, uh, of which I've thoroughly been enjoying. So I'll just kind of go into detail of what I've most recently focused on this past week in the game, as opposed to just going from... You know, circuit race to circuit race or sprint race or just doing events, I should say. You know, I've talked to you guys about how I've been playing the events and earning bank and earning rep and, you know, upgrading my rep level and upgrading my car and my visuals and things like that. Well, this week, in the playtime that I did have, which is roughly two hours, the majority of my time spent on the game this week was all about exploring Palm City. And if you didn't already know, Palm City is the setting of the the game. That's the city the the game is based in. It is basically EA's version of Miami. Uh, The neon lights, the beachfront uh, hotels, and uh, all just the the location. If you've been to Miami or know what Miami looks like, it's obvious that this is supposed to be Miami. It's a beautiful world, beautiful city uh, to explore and to drive around in. Uh, just like in Florida, also, it's just about raining, it uh, feels like all the time, but it looks beautiful visually. So there's a few things that you can do, actually quite a few things that you can do in the game world, as opposed to just racing. Uh, and they all add to, They all you all get a little bit of bank, a little bit of rep for every little thing that you kind of do. Uh, so I'll just tell you guys a few things that I was doing. I was actually only exploring, really, one uh, major section of the map Um, And it was towards the uh, ocean side of the map as opposed to the inner parts of the map that go more towards mountainous kind of areas and things of that nature. But uh, some things that you can do. So there's obviously the collectibles. Like uh, in this game, they are flamingos. They're kind of like glass neon looking flamingos that when you see them, you just kind of drive into them and you get credit for collecting them. And they are spread all throughout the game, Uh, but they are a specific collectible that you can get. So I got me some flamingos Uh, There's also billboards that I feel like for over a decade now, just about every open world racing game that comes out uh, has a form of the billboard collectible in it where you have to kind of seek out ramps nearby and get some nice uh, speed built up so you can hit that ramp and fly through the air and crash to the billboard. Uh, So Need for Speed Heat is no different. It does have the billboards for you to take out. Uh, There's also Speed Traps where you have to hit a certain speed by the time that you hit the area designated. So say at the speed trap, you have to be going 120 miles per hour. So you want to make sure that you line yourself up in a good way to where you can build up enough speed to hit that top speed by the time you're in that speed trap. Uh, And then there's also uh, another collectible called uh, Graffiti Tags, which are spread all throughout the game world on buildings, obviously, and different architecture, and they are exactly what they... They sound like they're they're graffiti. And uh, I thought they were really cool because some of them allude to other EA games and other Need for Speed games uh, just by different names that are used or references uh, within the pictures that are on there. And I just thought they were really cool. Uh, I found a few of those. You just pretty much drive your car up to them and on the Xbox, click RB uh, to acquire it. And then you get credit for that collectible as well. And then the last piece was there are certain sections kind of like the speed traps that are, we'll just call them drift traps, uh, I'll say for the sake of conversation here. And basically, as you approach them, uh, there is usually a, a block or two radius where you have to go around these tight corners and uh, a confined space and hit a certain score by drifting. Um, they're usually, like I said, within a couple blocks of each other. It's a tighter space and uh, they're, they're pretty difficult for me, at least. Uh, I'm not necessarily the greatest drifter, Uh, at this point in time in this game but uh so yeah that's pretty much what I spent my two hours doing is exploring Palm City kind of appreciating it more taking in the environment and the uh, visuals and uh, this is on the day side uh, FYI because you if you didn't know can alternate between day and night in the game and I enjoy uh, going about through the daytime and there's less cops uh, or heat I should say uh, and uh, then there is at night, so that's one, another reason why I prefer to kind of stick to the daytime right now, at least where I'm at in the game. So I had a lot of fun doing that and kind of uh, seeing what more the game has to offer instead of just the races and you know typical upgrading your car and things of that nature. So had a lot of fun with Need for Speed Heat this past week in that time frame. The other major game uh, that I've been focusing my time mostly on this past week has been my continued Quest and the Witcher 3 Blood and Wine expansion. So if you remember last week, I brought up very briefly that I finally, after two and a half years of not playing the game and finishing up Blood and Wine, it was still lingering. It was still hanging over my head and I still wanted to beat it and play through it and finish it. Well, I finally last week started going back to it. And this, this whole last week has been uh, an, an amazing time. I have thoroughly, thoroughly been enjoying the game. I fell back in love with it. Uh, You know, five years ago when the game first came out, just about to the day uh, as of this release of this episode, it it did something for me. Uh, It changed the way, again, I look at games, and I'll be honest with you guys, I really do feel that this is my game of the generation. This past generation that we're coming to a close in this year, by the end of the year, I really do feel very strongly that The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is... The game of this generation for so many reasons and uh, I'm actually going to do an episode about The Witcher 3 and uh, why I feel it is the game of this generation and what I love about it so much so keep an eye out for that Uh, but specifically here with Blood and Wine and my playtime this past week since I had last played it there was a 4k patch that had come out on it Um, and even without the patch I'm sure the visuals would have still held up as much as they did but my god the visuals are just so good and the graphics and game world and everything has aged very well uh, and the richness of the world and the side quest and the stories and just everything that I loved about it when I you know dropped over 200 hours in it five years ago is still there, obviously, and uh, I've just fallen in love with it all over again, guys, and uh, it's even got me really just, I, I want more Geralt, you know, more Witcher, more of that world, and I never played through the first or the second Witcher game. And I have the second Witcher game as a 360 backwards compatible title on the one. So I'm very, very strongly influenced at this point in time to at least check it out and and start playing it a little bit. But there are a lot of games coming out soon on this generation that I'm very much in a time crunch for that I would like to make sure that I play before, again, the end of this generation. So we'll see what happens there. But The Witcher 3 absolutely had a blast this past week playing it. So... That's what I've been looking at this past week as far as my gaming is concerned. Let's go check out some uh, gaming tips that I have for you this week and some buried treasure. So this week, I will give you a very quick tip and Need for Speed Heat. And uh, basically, it's going to be about the drifting, guys. When it comes to Need for Speed Heat and most racing games, I think you'll all agree if you played quite a few of them that drifting is a very key parts of winning races and winning these events. Now, I'm not talking about just drifting events. I'm also talking about races, just circuit races, sprint races, doesn't matter, you name it, you're going to come at some point to a very sharp turn or a kind of a rounded turn, if you will, where if you just come to a complete stop and and turn, you're going to lose momentum, you're going to have the opponents race right by you. So you need to learn how to drift. So at the end of the day, my tip this week for you guys is if you're playing Need for Speed Heat, which as of the time of this uh, recording is actually half off right now on sale on, uh, I want to say both PlayStation and Xbox have it on sale right now. So definitely check it out. Uh, Or if you have EA access, you know, check it out for 10 hours, see if you like it. Uh, But if you do, I would definitely recommend and say, hey, uh, put some time into trying to learn the drifting of the game. Uh, there are actually a couple of story-based missions, if you will, is how they coin it, where you interact with a couple of fellow racers, and they they teach you drifting. Bottom line, um, and I would recommend not at the very very beginning. Obviously, you want to you know do some other things first uh, before just jumping right into the the drifting. But I would recommend seeking those missions out and learning how to best drift, how to connect those drifts together. Uh, especially if you're a completionist and you're going to be wanting to do everything by the end of the game. Because if you're wanting to do those drift traps that we were talking about, as well as the different drift challenges that are all throughout Palm City, you're going to need to know how to connect your drifts and, and increase the multipliers to increase that score and get the uh, the three-star ratings ultimately on these different challenges. So just putting it out there for you guys, I highly recommend uh, to definitely uh, master the art of drifting And use that to make your success that much easier throughout the course of the game. So let's go listen to my week's Captain's Decree. So this week, listeners, I got a very serious decree that I need to put out there. And this decree has been brought on uh, in my convictions because of what happened this past week with the announcements of Unreal Engine 5. As I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, a lot of people were maybe confused online or knew exactly what was going on, but wanted to take the opportunity to pounce on Xbox in a way by saying or thinking that this announcement, this video that we saw, was somehow exclusive to PlayStation Five, and uh, you know the videos the previous week that Xbox had put out for Series X uh, were laughable in comparison and this and that. Well, let me just say, again, to clarify, it's the same on both systems, right? There is no, oh, this is only PlayStation and not on Xbox. But my decree coming from this is, guys, Xbox and PlayStation as brands, they can coexist. There doesn't have to be one or the other. And for years, I have seen, as a gamer... The gaming community kind of tear itself apart from the inside uh, year in and year out, uh, new console after new console generation. Everybody always wants to pick sides, and I just don't understand why. Why can't I? Yes, it, it is okay and it is fine to have a favored console or a favored brand but it does not mean that the other brand or console is complete garbage or trash and anyone that likes the other console or brand is garbage or trash it doesn't make sense we all love the same thing we all love video games we all love interactive entertainment so at the end of the day why does it matter which one we prefer over the other within each of our communications you know what i'm saying like why is that such a big deal why can't we just enjoy what we enjoy and have a great time playing the games that we do on the consoles we prefer. Uh, At the end of the day, both systems can coexist. There doesn't have to be some kind of animosity or certain people waiting with bated breath to pounce on one company or the other. Uh, You know, businesses and, and brands are run by human beings. And People make mistakes, you know? Microsoft made a mistake with the launch of the Xbox One and the DRM and the cockiness that they approached it with, and they paid for it this past generation. The previous generation before that, Sony made mistakes with their announcement and their launch of PlayStation 3. And guess what? That whole generation, they were trying to fight to claim people back, and they paid for it. So bottom line is, both companies have had missteps over the course of their life lifespans. Uh, and it's going to happen. You know, They're run by human beings. Uh, human beings are not perfect. Uh, but at the end of the day, there is a place for both consoles. There is a place for people who prefer one over the other. And there's still not to be animosity against the unpreferred. You know what I'm saying? So let's just remember that going into the future, this next generation. How about we try our best to not start out with some kind of invisible war that's going on between the two consoles because at the end of the day, you look at the people running these companies and from the best I can see, Phil Spencer on the Microsoft side and Sony on their side, nobody is really trying to, you know, launch missiles at each other. Uh, They're very much, especially trying to work together to make the best gaming community possible. Uh, At the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. And, If we can all understand that better and game together, then I don't see why the brands can't coexist. So just remember that this week. Think about that. Xbox and PlayStation can coexist. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, guys, uh, during your time here on the SS Gamer. The thoughts and opinions, they don't have to end here, though. I would love to continue discussing The Witcher, Unreal 5, any of the gaming topics that we've talked about here in this episode today with you. So reach out to me via email at LostAtSeaGaming365 at at gmail.com or through social media on Instagram at at LostAtSeaGaming as well as on Twitter at at LostAtSea one So as always, until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.